Hello, hello, welcome to Griff Talks Football, of course, I'm your host, Griff, um, and I will re-upload the episode of uh, Reviewing Week 10, previewing for this upcoming uh, week, uh, Sunday's game, um, as well as talking a little bit more in detail about the 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks game that happened this past Monday, um, uh, and uh, I will release that tonight, of course, but this one is episode four of my series of one take, where I talk about one particular situation in one particular game, or situation that has occurred in a plentiful games, or plenty of situ- situations that have been in common with one particular game, uh, or several games, but again, share the a situation. And today's episode is about Kirk Cousins in a team game. And to let me set the record straight, uh, Kirk Cousins is not a terrible quarterback whatsoever. I don't know why there's a consistent notion that he's a terrible quarterback. He's put up plenty of good numbers, stats. He's thrown nearly almost 5,000 yards passing. Which you, not many quarterbacks can can say that, or can even throw that many passing yards. Now, granted, in today's NFL with the rules and stuff, a, a good numbers for a quarterback can be between three thousand five hundred yards passing to uh, around four. Th- over four, a little over four thousand yards. Like I would say, that would be the average in terms of a good quarterback with the rules that are in the NFL right now, and with a plentiful of targets. That that should almost be the expectation, right? And Kirk Cousins has exceeded those expectations continuously, and has done it. Um. Uh, with so much dif- dysfunction in his career, and even as of recent, since 2018, signing with the Vikings, he put up great stats. Now, granted, I understand that he, he has not won a single playoff game in his career, nor he had a double-digit winning season. Again, his last playoff appearance and only playoff appearance was back in 2015 with the Washington Redskins. I get that. I get that he hasn't had many primetime wins. That he only has five primetime wins in his 30-something appearances. I get that he's had more losses in primetimes. I, I understand that. However, again, this is a team game. This is not an individual game. Now, for example, basketball is a team game, but you can point it at one individual because, what, you have 15 total players on a roster and you can only put five on the court? And you only play, like, certain amount of players that some players don't get to play because of the minutes have been assigned or they're just reserves, Right? And you can see LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Um, gosh, uh, 
Mitchell, uh, the guard for the Utah Jazz. You and so many other, or even Jokic, which I believe his nickname in the NBA is Joker, but he has not put on clown makeup once, nor has laughed hysterically, or has done any villainous things. But nevertheless, that's his nickname. That's a whole other conversation. But again, nevertheless, you can point at, oh, this one specific player literally carried the team. Right? You can You can point that out. In the NFL, you can't necessarily say one specific player carried the team. It's literally the ultimate team game. All right, if you see a quarterback put up 400 yards passing, you can't just say, oh, the quarterback was the only one that did it. You have to account for the receivers that are in the game. You have to account for the pass protection that was in the game. You have to account for to see if there's any pass rush in that play. You have to account for there was a blitz, a zone, a mixture of coverages. You have to account for to see if everyone did their job properly in order to make that performance happen. You can't just point out just one player. Again, it's a team game. And unfortunately, throughout Kirk's career, he's been on one dysfunctional team. And this is his his only second time ever being on another team, which again, I wouldn't say dysfunctional, but I would definitely say inconsistent in terms of play. You know, one year the Vikings went thirteen and three in twenty seventeen, and the next year they went eight seven and one. The previous year in twenty sixteen they they missed the playoffs, but in twenty fifteen they won a division and then lost. And then so forth and so forth. Like it's been it's been mostly inconsistent. As for the Washington Redskins, their last playoff appearance was 2015 with Kirk Cousins. Outside of Kirk Cousins, even though he's drafted in 2012, they did make the playoffs in 2012 with RG3 as a quarterback. But then other than that, their last playoff appearance was back in 2007. And then, they didn't, and then even prior to that, they didn't make the playoffs for quite some time. And it's been owned by the same owner that has not hired either the best coaches or has not had patience or has been very controlling, has signed players that either lack work ethic or had character issues, or not the greatest team player. Again, this organization has been dysfunctional. But you can definitely point out that Kurt was by far the best part on that organization. I'm not saying that he carried the team. I'm saying he was probably the best part and had plenty of reasons to why the Redskins made the playoffs in 2015. He put up gaudy numbers. He had the targets to do so. He had a coaching staff to be able to accomplish that task. He was able to take advantage over some poor secondaries that he played in that season. He was able to take advantage over an injured, riddle Dallas Cowboys roster. He was able to take advantage over a porous Eagles roster. 
He was able to take advantage in his division again. Um, a Giants roster. And again, this is a team game. But here we are. What led me to even spark this debate was that Sunday night football game. That again happened last Sunday between the Vikings and the Dallas Cowboys. And how some, in after that game, how, and throughout the week, how some sports broadcasters or radio hosts have said that Dak Prescott um, is far much better, that he has a higher ceiling, um, that, that he outplayed Kirk Cousins, that wins more than Kirk Cousins since 2017, which I debunk and disagree with all of those statements. I believe both of their ceilings are about as high as it can be. I believe they're both the same. I believe Kirk Cousins is a little bit better than Dak Prescott based on what Kirk Cousins has gone through in his career. You can say any team has did, did better than this other team in one particular year. Okay, since 2017, like really, you have to name that specific stat to support your argument? Come on, dude. You Yes, you can say Dak Prescott has had the second best winning percentage behind Tom Brady since 2017. But you can say, oh, Drew Brees has had the best winning percentage since 2018. But the Saints went 13-3 in 2018 and the Patriots went 11-5 in 2018. So that argument itself is stupendous it's it's idiotic and you also have to consider that the sport again is a team sport you have to consider what team that Dak Prescott is on you have to consider what team Kirk Cousins is on look I'm going to go back and review a little bit of last year last season 2018 just between Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins so Reviewing last year, Dak, his numbers improved when Dallas traded for Amari Cooper. When they traded for Amari Cooper, they went 7-1. He had a higher touchdown. He had had, uh, more touchdown passes, less interceptions, higher completion percentage, more passing yards, of course, because Amari is a good wide receiver. He still had a good O-line, plus Ezekiel Elliott. He had a good defense that year, and they went 10-6, and six, beat Seattle in the wild card round, then lost and got smacked by the L.A. Rams in the divisional round. Kirk Cousins in 2018 had one of his best statistical career seasons ever. Had his, had his 67 completion percentage rate, had thrown over 4,000 yards passing, had thrown 30 touchdowns and just 10 interceptions. He also was dealing with a terrible O-line in terms of pass protection. There was average run blocking, but again, terrible O-line. Was getting sacked on nearly every play. And again, he's not an athlete, so it's not like he can scramble very well. It's not like he can break those sack attempts and be able to get that throw in near perfection to a wide open receiver or to a coverage or, or the double cover, uh, double team coverage, or whatever you want to call it, on a receiver, tight coverage. 
He does not, unfortunately, have the ability to do that. But yet, have put up these stats behind a terrible O-line. And again, an average run game, that didn't help out. Dak had play action to fall back on. When they ran it, it was effective. And then his offensive coordinator, Kirk Cousins' offensive coordinator, got fired with two games left um, on the season. And then, of course, the record as a team went 8-7-1, missed the playoffs, and then gets huge blame for the team's failure. But yeah, he was the best part of the team. He was the reason why that team was even able to win games. Their defense was top 10 best in yardage, but at times played inconsistent in their games. Either blown a lead, whatever the case may be. And again, Kirk Cousins was the reason why that team was able to even be in that position at the end of the season to be able to be in the playoff spot had they beat the Bears. And again, the Bears had a phenomenal defense and terrible all-line protection, so their pass rush, along with Khalil Mack, can just smack Kirk Cousins everywhere or anywhere and force turnovers, and that's what happened. Doesn't matter if you have Mitch Trubisky as your QB. If you go against a team that has terrible O-line protection, you're most likely going to win that game. Just as long as your O-line is good and just as long as your offense can at least function. And if Trubisky can make a couple throws with no problem. That, that I would say, is definitely a guarantee. And then now, so far, reviewing this season, this 2019 season, Dak Prescott... 5-4 and four record, has been in stable organization throughout his entire career. Kirk Cousins, 7-3 and three record, and has been in an unstable organization throughout his career until signing with the Vikings in 2018. That's Dak Prescott's current stats right now is a 68.3% completion percentage, as well as 2,000 77, uh, it's 2,777 passing yards with an 18 to 9 touchdown interception ratio with a quarterback rating of 102.4. Kirk Cousins is 69.1 completion percentage with 2,437 yards passing with 18 touchdowns to three interceptions with a quarterback rating of 112. Remember, both teams have excellent running backs. Vikings O-line just happened to improve this year in their pass protection, as well as their run blocking. Dalvin Cook is an amazing running back. Zeke Elliott is good in his own right, and the O-line is still pretty good. But that Sunday night football game is not even a fair comparison as to who's better. Remember, the Vikings were able to establish a run and kept the lead. Mike Zimmer, a defensive-minded coach, wants an offense that pounds the rock, uses a lot of gap run plays, not so much zone scheme, but runs with power, lead plays, some inside zone, but really pound the rock. Still want to score a bunch of points, but through running the ball. And then go with play action. All right, Cowboys... Couldn't stop the run defensively, nor even establish the run in their own right because they consider themselves a running team that does a lot of gap runs as well. You know, lead plays, power plays. 
And then, of course, playing from behind, they went pass heavy, and most of their passes went uh, when completed, or some of them went gone for touchdowns. Went against one corner named Mike Hughes, who was a nickel corner, and then had put in a starter because the other uh, starting cornerback got hurt. So they just picked on Mike Hughes for the majority of the game. Even in zone coverage, they were able to pick apart the zone. And even in man, they just poked at Mike Hughes, picked on him a lot. And it wasn't like the Vikings were blitzing either. They were relying on their four-man front to get to Dak Prescott. And which, some of the times they got there, but most of the time, I would argue, he had pretty good pass protection within the plays that were called and with the timing of the routes that are within those plays. So if Dak holds on to the ball too long, don't blame the O-line. It's Dak's fault. Now, obviously, if the defensive line gets there pretty fast, it's either A, the O-line's fault, or B, the O-line's fault, as well as Dak Prescott, for not reading that defense, for not picking it up, and then throwing to a different area, or making sure he doesn't get hit. <clears throat> and I guarantee you that if this was a shootout, that... If both teams were pass heavy instead with the same amount of targets, you know Kirk Cousins didn't have Adam Thielen in that game. He just has Stephon Diggs. And Kyle Rudolph got more involved in the passing game. Had they gone in a shootout, I guarantee you Kirk Cousins would have came out on top because Dallas does not have the greatest secondary. They are at least average or at least okay. They don't. They rely heavily on their pass rush to get to the quarterback to save their secondary. And if they can't stop the run, why not just keep running it? Why? Why? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So why even do that? And then looking at the careers, that Prescott in 2016 had 67.8 completion percentage, 3,667 yards passing as well as 23 touchdowns to four interceptions, were a record of 13-3, and and then lost to the Packers in the divisional round. 2017, 62 completion percentage, as well as 3,324 yards passing, with a 22 touchdown to 13 interception ratio. So again, 22 passing touchdowns, 13 interceptions. With a record of 9-7 and and didn't make the playoffs. And was missing Zeke most of the time. And with that pedestrian passing yards, it's terrible. They rely on their defense to save to save them that season to at least be able to still win the games. 2018, again last year, 67.7 completion percentage, 3,885 passing yards with a 22 to 8 touchdown interception ratio. With a record of 10 and 6, beating Seattle in the wild card and losing again to the LA Rams. Kirk Cousins, 2012, 68.8 uh, completion percentage, four touchdowns, three interceptions, 466 passing yards. I believe all in one game because he was a backup to RG3, which again made the playoffs, but then lost to Seattle with, I believe, a 10 and 6 record. And by the way, Dak Prescott, since playing, has had the same head coach, Jason Garrett, has had the same offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator in Scott Linehan up until this season, 
when they decided to relieve or at least fire Scott Linehan and then hire Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator. But otherwise, there wasn't a huge staff change. So again, it's been a stable organization. Kirk Cousins, 2012, had Mike Shanahan as the head coach and Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. 2013, 52.3 completion percentage. Four touchdowns, seven interceptions. Back up to RG3, and then RG3 got hurt. Kirk Cousins played some games. He had thrown a total of eight of 854 passing yards. The team went 3-13. and 13. Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, got fired. 2014, 61.8 completion percentage, 10 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 1,700 passing yards. Back up to RG, RG3 until he got hurt so much that he then took over 4-12 and that season with head coach Jay Gruen and offensive coordinator Sean McVay. 2015, 69.8 completion percentage, as well as 4,166 passing yards. 29 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. A record of 9-7, and seven, went to the playoffs and lost to the Green Bay Packers in the wild card round. Head coach again, Jay Gruden. Offensive coordinator, Sean McVay. 2016, 67 completion percentage. 4,917 passing yards. 25 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. The record was 8-7-1. Head coach Jay Gruden, offensive coordinator Sean McVay. 2017, his last year with the Redskins. 67.3 completion percentage. 4,093 passing yards. 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. With a record of 7-9. Again, Jay Gruden being there, who, who then became the uh, offensive play caller. As long, along with offensive coordinator Matt Cavanaugh. Again, this is a team sport, not an in- individual sport. And if anything, Kirk Cousins made the most of his opportunities with the coaches he was surrounded with, despite how dysfunctional the, or- the organization was, with the targets he had, and again, inconsistent O-line play with a lack of a running game. He made the most of that. He was a reason, or at least a huge reason, why the team was able to compete and be able to at least be in the position late in November, December, to at least be able to make the playoffs. Evidently, they didn't make the playoffs except for 2015. And again, a huge reason why the Vikings were still in the playoffs hunt at the end of the season, just couldn't beat the Bears in order to do it. Had they beat the Bears, they would have played the Bears again um, seeing that they would have taken the sixth seed, the Bears had a third seed. Because again, the Seahawks had a better record compared to the Vikings at that point in time. But no, the Vikings lost, Philadelphia made it, and then Eagles went on to the divisional round to lose to the Saints. So again, the, the notion that Dak Prescott is better than Kirk Cousins baffles me. Because Kirk Cousins has overcame more adversity than Dak Prescott, at least in the NFL professional careers that they have been in. 
Again, Kirk Cousins, 2012. He's been there since 2012. Dak Prescott has been there since 2016. Dak Prescott has came into a stable organization. And evidently, I believe, has me the most of it. Because he's only had one playoff win. Two, two playoff losses. He has to rely on one receiver or a couple receivers or even with Zeke Elliott to help him. Kirk Cousins evidently has been able to help his targets by putting the ball in the best situation as possible. He can put it in a tight coverage. Dak Prescott has not been able to do that just yet. Kirk Cousins, I would say, is far more accurate than Dak Prescott. But all these wins and, and stats in total, all in, in, again, including these wins and losses, again, it's a team sport. Again, I guarantee you the narrative would have been different if it was a shootout. I guarantee you the narrative would have been different had Dallas been able to stop the run or had Dallas established their own running game. I guarantee you that Kirk Cousins is a little bit better than Dak Prescott in terms of the accuracy, in terms of making most of what they have. Again, one great individual can at least help the team's performance. But again, you would rather have a great roster than just rely on one QB or have a great QB. Again, great QB can make all the difference, but if you don't have a great roster along with that, you can only go so far in the playoffs. I'll be, uh, for, for example, 2016 Packers made the playoffs, went into the NFC Championship game, and then lost to the Falcons because the Falcons had a way better roster. And evidently, the Packers only made it because of the reliance they had on the offense along with Aaron Rodgers. Now, 2019, Green Bay has an 8 and 2 record with a defense that's still below average but has now had has now forced more turnovers than the previous past couple of years as long, as well as getting more sacks. And they have some excellent corners. Just there's there's still a young defense. And getting used to the Mac Patine scheme. And it's just not the same level of excellence as the 49ers are because the 49ers are also as young in terms of defensive roster as the Green Bay Packers just so happens to be better. But then again, the Packers defense being able to force turnovers, get sacks, force teams to not convert third down situations. And then with Aaron Rodgers in the Packers offense, they have an established rushing attack. They have amazing backs in Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. They still have excellent pass protection. Still have targets to throw to. And again with Aaron Rodgers. So, at case in point, again, I don't know if you got this, but the overall theme of this episode, and with football itself, it's a team sport, not rely on one individual. 
And again, the last example is with Drew Brees and the Saints. There's a long stretch of period, or at least in three straight seasons, where um, from 2015 to 2017, so again, three NFL seasons, where Drew Brees put these gaudy stats and threw, you know, uh, 5,000 yards in 2016 to make it his fifth time ever to throw 5,000 yards in a season, but yet didn't make the playoffs. Because that team wasn't great, but he did everything that he could uh, in his own power to be able to make the team as good as possible, at least with that season, to be able to compete and be able to make the playoffs. But again, the team wasn't great. Defense was porous. Then, all of a sudden, 2017, team goes 11-5, winning division, and then beat Carolina on the wild card round. Then went to Minnesota and evidently lost, but at least we were able to come back to get in a position to win that game, but then lost in a Hail Mary. But again, the defense was good that season. Drew Brees still had an excellent season. The running game um, was excellent. 2018, similar. Just only went 13-3. and Drew Brees had more passing touchdowns than the previous year. To only five interceptions, so 32 to five touchdown interception ratio, and made it to the NFC Championship game, which then they lost to the Rams. So, in all, again, I think Kirk Cousins is better if you're looking at stats, if you're looking at the throws, and making the most of his opportunity with the teammates around him. I would say Kirk Cousins is better. But overall, again, this team, this is a team sport, and if you have a better roster, you have a better op- and with coaches too. You have a better opportunity to have a better record. And evidently, both Dallas and Minnesota have similar talent on the roster. Have good defensive players. Have have good offensive players. But Kirk Cousins has made the most of that. But evidently, in that game, it was a running game that Dallas couldn't stop. So again, why fix it if it ain't broken? Do the same thing until they can't stop it anymore. And that's what happened. Now again, played from behind. Kirk, I mean, uh, Dak Prescott had better passing stats. But guess what? Vikings got the win. Because they are, at least with that game, played better than the Dallas Cowboys. And established their own game plan that they wanted to do. But I guarantee you, if it was a shootout, Kirk Cousins would have outplayed Dak Prescott because he has, in his career, has made the most of what he had, either a dysfunctional organization or terrible roster or good roster. And again, Dak Prescott has not been in a dysfunctional organization, has had a better roster, and yet only has one playoff win because the roster isn't as great the coaches are not as great as other coaches within the NFC. And Dak Prescott, yes, has played consistent, but isn't a top quarterback as other quarterbacks, such as Drew Brees, such as Russell Wilson. And other QBs I can give, for example, and Aaron Rodgers, too. So again, that's that's it for today's episode. I just wanted to discuss... This ridiculous statement that Dak is better than Kirk Cousins. And other 
statements that have been said by other media that I wanted to address. But again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I know it was a long episode, but it, it there was a lot to discuss just within this topic between Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. Again, thank you so much for listening and have a kick-ass day. And I will release or at least re-upload the episode of, of the review of week 10, the preview of week 11, and then talking more in detail about the 49ers and Seattle Seahawks uh, game um, by tonight. So again, thank you so much and have a kick-ass day.